If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Psalm 139. I want to invite the team to come forward. Um, I'm so grateful for this Monday night team and the way they serve um, at Snowdrop. I'm, I'm very grateful for them. I know you are as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very grateful. And so I invited them to come with, with me tonight and for a couple weeks, uh, depending on how tonight goes for the next couple weeks. Uh, we have a Friday morning Bible study. I actually think it is the most productive ministry we're doing right now. We meet at 6.30 a.m. on Friday mornings. Uh, it is a powerful time of gathering. Um, Courtney had no idea what I was going to teach on tonight, and the, she could not have picked a more appropriate song Uh, because our desire really should be to know him better. And the only way you will know him better is to spend time in his word. This is his word, his love story to you. Uh, And unless we're studying his word, we will never know his heart. And and so Friday mornings, we study his word in depth. uh, And you are all invited to come if you can get out of bed at 6.30 a.m. It is the one ministry, though I do ask for a commitment. You can't pop in and pop out because uh, we really build. It builds on each week. And it is, I think, I think the team would agree it's probably the most profitable ministry we're doing. Lives are being changed in that Friday morning study. And so I I can't convince you of that just standing up here and inviting you every week. So I decided to bring Friday morning study to you. Um, This is not what we are studying. It's something brand new because I wanted you to see that the team has only had these verses for a couple days. Because I changed midstream, I decided, I announced last week that we were going to study verses 23 and 24, and then as I began to study them, I thought we really need to study 1 through 24, and, and so uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 1 and 2 tonight, but as we study Psalm 139, I really want to encourage you, I, I was texting my son Tyler, who is 35, uh, just a few minutes before I came up, and because when he was in junior high school, he had to memorize this psalm. I have this psalm almost committed to memory because he would be in the back seat of the car and, and he would give me the verse and I would test him because every week he had a new verse that he had to memorize and he was scored on that verse for, for junior high. And so we both still have it uh, committed to memory. And it's sketchy for both of us, but we, we still have it up there. And, uh, and so I will tell you that this is a fabulous passage to memorize. We're going to look at two, maybe three verses a week. You can handle that. You can handle, oh, Lord, you know, search me and know me. <laughs> you, you can handle that. You, you, those are just a, few, uh, just a few words that you have to commit every week. If you put it on your dashboard, if you put it on your bathroom mirror, on your refrigerator, you will be surprised how quickly you can get this passage memorized. And so I, I want to encourage you that as we go through it, that you try to commit it to memory. People are saying, are you going to call on us? I think I'm going to stay away this week because I don't want you calling on us. I'm not going to call on you. So come back from Facebook land and come and join us because um, Leslie said you're going to lose people because they're going to be afraid you're going to put them, you know, you're going to back them into a corner. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to do it to the team, but I'm not going to do it to you. And so if you have something that you want to share, bring it because I'll open it up at the end of the, the study for what you found that you are is burning inside of you. And you're going to be surprised surprised how much just even what the team found is going to differ from each other. It's fabulous. And you're, you're going to really learn, I hope, 
uh, to, to really enjoy studying the Word. So Psalm 139, I want to read it to you in its entirety before we start tearing it apart verse by verse. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created me in my inmost being. You, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are beautiful. I know that for full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days, hear me say this, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak evil of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I wonder if there's anybody here who has ever been misunderstood. <laughs> if you've ever had somebody falsely accuse you. If, if maybe you heard somebody say or somebody told you that somebody said something about you that wasn't true. And it maybe triggered you to say, they don't even know me. You, you said that about me, but you have no idea who I really am. Have, have you ever been in that place where you've thought that? David is, they believe that David is the writer of this psalm, and David was a man who was mistreated. He was misunderstood. He was pursued by his enemies. And he, in this psalm, was appealing to, to the heart-searching God to attest his innocence. People were talking about him. They were saying things about him. And he consoled himself. Hear me say this. He consoled himself. We see it in this psalm with, with the fact that he was fully known by God. And he knew that God was not 
ignorant of, 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 of the truth about him. But he also knew <laughs> that, that, that we can be deceived by the pride of our heart. That, that we can really deceive ourselves. Does anybody know that? that? That we can really think we're all that in a bag of potato chips and really be ignorant about some things in our life. And so he knew enough about himself that, 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 that he understood that he could be deceiving himself. And so he ends this psalm by saying, so search me, God, and know me. Show me if there's any wicked way in me. Because what they're saying about me, God, you know. You know me. You know everything there is to know about me. And so I'm just going to rest in that. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, if I'm deceiving myself in any way, shape, or form, would you show me? And so that's what we're going to see in this psalm as we, we go on. This, this psalm is intensely personal. It's a psalm between David and the God who knows him intensely. Do you, do you understand that you are known by God? Everything about you he is familiar with. And that's what we're going to see as we begin to study this. We're going to see uh, that, that God has intimate knowledge of us. He created every one of us. And, and just like a, a sculptor is intimately familiar with his masterpiece, just like um, a builder is intimately familiar with whatever he has built, can I tell you God is your creator? And he is intimately familiar with you. He knows everything about you. In this psalm, we're going to see several attributes of God being highlighted. Do you, do you know that God has attributes that nobody else can even compete with? He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. Do, do, do you know that? He is holy. And this psalm speaks of his omniscience. And omniscience is, is just the state of knowing everything. Who knows that God knows everything? He has infinite awareness. He has deep understanding. He has insight that you and I do not have. And David is saying, I can rest, God, that you have information I don't have, that you know me better than anyone. The Bible says that the very hairs on our head are numbered by God. He, he has such intimate knowledge about you that he knows how many hairs you have on your head. He is omnipresent. The, the word omnipresence mean that God, this means that God is present everywhere. And because God is present everywhere at every time, we are never alone. Do you know that you are never alone, that he has promised to never leave you, to never forsake you, to never relax his hold on you? And most importantly, I believe, is he is omnipotent. That word means the quality of having unlimited and very great power. <laughs> Do you know that he is all-powerful? That he has no limitations. That is the God we serve. And we're going to see that in this passage. Before we begin with the team on verse 1, I want to read just a, um, an introduction that my Holman commentary wrote about uh, Psalm 139. It was Steve Lawson is the editor, and uh, I love what he said and how he begins his introduction about Psalm 139. Permit me to read it for you. The greatness of God is infinitely vast. His majesty far exceeds man's ability to comprehend him. Consider, for example, the size of the universe he has created, the sheer dimensions of which are staggering. Hear this. 
Scientists tell us that it would take 500 billion years to journey around its perimeter, traveling the speed of light 186 miles per second. So 186 miles per second, it would take 500 billion years to journey around the universe. The sun has a diameter of 864,000 miles, and it can hold over 1 million planets the size of the Earth. The star Belgis has a diameter of 100 million miles, larger than the Earth's orbit around the sun. It takes sunlight, traveling the speed of light, about 8.5 minutes to reach the Earth. Yet that same light would take more than four years to reach the nearest star, Alpha Centauri, some four, 24 trillion miles from Earth. The galaxy to which our sun belongs, the Milky Way, contains hundreds of billions of stars. And astronomers estimate that there are even billions of galaxies, perhaps the number of all the grains of the sand on all the beaches in the world. How immense must God be who, as creator, far exceeds the size of his creation. Yet this infinite God is intimately aware of every individual on the planet. The number of hairs you have on your head, this passage will say, before a word is on my lips, you know it completely. He knows when we sit and when we rise, and David knew that, and he was resting in that truth, and that's what we're going to find out tonight. And so, when we study on Friday mornings, the first thing I ask is, is there a translation that, that, that spoke to you during this week? You see, I read to you from the NIV, but when I study, I have every, if you go into my office right now, my desk is covered with different translations, different Bibles laying open, because I've consulted every one of them in studying. And so the first thing I ask the people that attend on Friday morning, and I'm going to encourage you with, with tonight, is that when you study, read through that verse and meditate on it. Just read through the passage and meditate on it. When we meditate, it's like a cow chewing its cud. The word meditation, it, it means like a, a cow chewing its cud. A cow has several stomachs, and what it does is it eats something, and it swallows it, and then it vomits it back up, and it chews on it some more and gets some more nutrients out, and then it swallows it, and then it vomits it back up, and and it chews on it. Are you following me? That's what the word meditation does. But you see, when we study the word of God, sometimes we read it and then we're like, yeah, let's move on to the next thing. But, but God says to meditate on his word. If you, if you look in my car at any given time, you'll find a scripture on the dashboard. Sometimes there's one in my pocket. Sometimes it's on my bathroom mirror or on the garage door going out of the garage. I have it in front of me all the time because I'm meditating on it. I'm chewing it. I'm, I'm trying to get every bit of nutrient out of it, and I swallow it, and I throw it back up again, and I, I'm constantly meditating on it. And that's what we do when we first start studying a passage. And the next thing I tell the team to do is to pull every translation they can get and, and read the different translations because just the way the NIV translates it, another translator might have seen something different in it and it pulls out different words. And so that's helpful. And so I want to start there tonight and say to the team, verses one and two only, is there a translation that stuck out to you? Anyone? Uh, Karen? Hello. Um, I love the Passion Translation, so I'm going to read that one. It's for the pure and shining one, King David's poetic song. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. 
and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. Okay, anybody else? Petra, I see you have the mic. Did you find hear me? Yeah. I have the voice. A good um, one. Oh, eternal one, you have explored my heart and know exactly who I am. You even know the small details, like when I take a seat and when I stand up again. Even when I am far away, you know what I'm thinking. So I like that one too. I pulled that as well because I loved, you, you know exactly who I am. I'm not fooling you, Lord. You know exactly who I am. And, and isn't that safe to be? How many of you, I, I believe there's something in each one of us that longs to be known. Are you with me? Uh, some of you are sitting there tonight and, and you're surrounded by people who know you and, and who love you, but they don't really know you. Anybody understand that? That you don't really feel free to expose who you truly are to anyone. I wonder how many of you could say, I, I really have even one good person who knows me, who I really am, when, when nobody's looking, who the real me. How many of you can say you have somebody in your life that knows the real you? And we all long for that. We all long to not have to wear a mask, to not have to pretend we're, we're, we're somebody else, to not put on a false self. And that, that's what David is saying here. You, you know the real me. You, you know exactly who I am. And I, I loved it. It says, you know the small details in my life. And, and I would go so far as to say the way this is translated, it's not just that he knows the small details in your life, but that he cares about the small details in your life. The little things that you brush off and say, you know, I really don't want to bother God with that. How many of you have ever said that? I don't want to bother God with that. He cares about those small details. Very good, Petra. Um, any other translations? I have the AMPC. The what? The AMPC. The AMPC, the Amplified uh, Classic Version she's going to read from. O Lord, you have searched me thoroughly and have known me. You know my downsitting and my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. My downsitting and my uprising. We're going to visit that in a few minutes. Any other translations? I, yeah. I, I personally like the complete Jewish Bible, and so I asked Leah to read that one for me. Uh, Leah, do you want to read that? For the leader, a psalm of David, Adonai, you have probed me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand up. You discern my inclinations from afar. You scrutinize my daily activities. Oh, I so like that. You probe me. You scrutinize my daily activities. Oh, yikesy. Aren't you glad he's not a God that we need to fear? That even though he scrutinizes my daily activities, which I'm not always proud of, he still loves me. That rocks my world. Uh, any other translations? Maria, I can do the message. Okay. This is the, this is the message that Karen's going to read. Remember, the message is a paraphrase. It's not a translation. But we almost always consult it on Friday mornings. I think it, it brings some flavor that some of the translations don't. So go ahead, Karen. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then, uh, then up ahead, you are there too. Mm -hmm. Your reassurance presence comes comings and goings. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. 
a paraphrase. Yeah, translations are usually like a word for word, but this is a paraphrase. Um, but uh, I loved the message because it said, investigate me. Dave and I love to watch CSI or NCIS. I, I love it. It just brings me down at night. And, and I love the investigators. They, they dig deep. They go beyond what's just on the surface. And they ask questions and they investigate and they find what is hidden and what is tried to be covered up. And somebody, I'm just telling you, see, sometimes we do things, we sin, we do things we're ashamed of and we want to cover it up. We want to push it down deep. And can I tell you, God investigates us. And he's not sorry that he found it. He still loves you, and you're still safe with him. You're still accepted in the beloved. He's still pleased with you no matter what he finds. You, you really are safe with his scrutiny. Um, and so any other translations before we move on? Leslie. Century version. It says, Lord, you have examined me and know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You know my thoughts before I think them. That's what I liked is you know my thoughts before I think them. You know my thoughts before I think them. And we're going to look at that in depth tonight because it really, I believe that's really what comes out in that passage. You discern my thoughts from afar. But I also like the examine me uh, because when, when I go to the doctor for an examination, when uh, Pam goes to the doctor tomorrow morning, he's not going to overlook anything. He's going to give her a thorough examination because he's looking for something. Do, do you see that? And, and, and is Pam safe with that doctor? You bet. She has to submit to that doctor and let him examine her in order to find out the issue. How many of us sit before the Lord in the morning and say, Lord, examine me? Because I know that, that I, I can deceive myself. I know that, that I try to hide things. I try to cover things up. So investigate and examine me and scrutinize me, Lord. And put your finger on anything that, that I don't want to see, that you want to clean up, that you want to fix that's broken in me. And so I think that comes out very clearly in this passage. So anybody else, last chance for translation? More. Oh, Karen, one more. The CEV, Contemporary English. Um, there were just a couple words that I liked. I you, thought it too. You have mm -hmm. looked deep into my heart, yes. Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I am resting or when I am working, <coughs> and from heaven you discover my thoughts. So look deep in me. Look deep. Don't just look on the surface. Because, see, sometimes that's what we want from God, don't we? We, we just want him to look on the surface because how many of you have ever, there was, used to be a track when I was a little girl growing up, My Heart, God's Home, and, and it would talk about the rooms in our heart that we keep locked off to God and that we only invite him into certain rooms in our house. And, and Karen, the, the verse that she brought or the translation she, used, she spoke of tonight talks about dig deep. Go in those rooms where I don't want you to go. I, I don't want you to just go where I've invited you. I want you to go in the rooms that I've locked off to you because they need cleaned up. And, and so we really see that come out as we study this. So verse 1 uh, in, in Psalm 139, we've already established that probably David wrote this. Um, it was probably in response to, to his enemies or people talking smack about him. Uh, and that he was hurt, and he was going to God over it. So he starts out by saying, and, and in the, the New King James, it says, O Lord, and that's what I studied, so that's what we're going to start with, O Lord. And so as a team, I want to talk about what, now those are important words, are they not, Karen? So I usually gloss over the, for the chief musician, 
I just gloss over it, but it came up very good in this. And so it's like, oh, so as I'm looking at it, it's like, oh my gosh, to be excellent, to be bright, to be preeminent. Who are we talking about here? So we're not talking about David, the chief musician. We're talking about the Lord. That's right. And it was like, it just, I seriously, I always gloss over that stuff. Yeah. And I actually looked at it this time. It was amazing. Yeah. So I hope you don't gloss over it. Very good. I would have glossed over it. I would have just taken right off on the verses. So, uh, so Karen is saying, uh, he's talking about the chief musician. And remember, psalms, most of the psalms were sung as they were going up to the temple usually. Uh, and so they are songs of descent and songs of ascent. And, and so they had so psalms that they would sing when they would go up to the temple and when they would come down from the temple. And so uh, that's why he's talking about to the chief musician. All right, so, oh, Lord. Um, and, and so we say, well, we know what that means. We don't need to stop. I want you to see the importance of digging deep into these words, and anybody can do it. I want to show you one tip here. Uh, Don, Don, who is just amazing, got this figured out so we could put it on the screen. This is an, a website that you can Google called Bi Blue Letter Bible. We use it a lot on Friday mornings. Um, this is Psalm 139. You put it in the, right here where it says verse. You you do a search for Psalm 139, and then see here, you have to hit this Strong's button because you need the Strong's uh, to get the numbers to look up the, the, the Hebrew meaning. Old Testament is the Hebrew, New Testament is the Greek, so we're looking up Hebrew here. So do you see, O Lord, right there? Let's see if I can highlight it. O Lord, and you see that number? We're going to click on that, and, and you'll see that it means what, team? Somebody? Jehovah, Jehovah, the existing one. But, but I, I know this team, and I know they've dug deeper than that. And so what else did you find? Can we just talk about that a little bit? Jehovah is the name of what? The God of Israel. The God of Israel, the supreme God, the true God. What else do you know about Jehovah? It's this, really important that we catch this. This is the name that he, um, by the name that he used when he revealed himself to Moses. Exactly. This is the name that he used when he revealed himself to Moses. And if you go down here, see where I just clicked right here? You're going to find that information in that area right there. Uh, this is the name that he revealed himself to his, co his covenant-keeping God. Th this is the name by which he revealed himself to his people. And when did he do that? Anybody? In Exodus, where he says to Moses, I want you to go to tell Pharaoh to set my people free, to let my people go. And Moses said, yeah, right. <laughs> they are never going to believe this. So who should I tell them sent me? That's Rhea's translation. And God says, tell them I am. Everything I have need of, they have need of, I will be for them. Tell them I am. I'm the great I am. I am Jehovah. I am Yahweh. I am uh, the, the, the great I am. I'm the covenant-keeping God. If I told them I'm going to deliver them, I'm going to do it. And so David is addressing him as, as, as Jehovah or Yahweh. Why do we say Yahweh, team? Did anybody find that out? No, it's capitalized. Why? Um, yep. It's in the Bible, there's the lowercase L-O-R-D, there's the capital L-O-R-D, and then there's capital L-O-R-D. And um, I found that it'll be in the, New Test in the Old Testament, and it's translating the Hebrew word for the name of God, 
Y H W H or Yahweh. And why did they do Y H W H? Because um, the biblical Hebrew there's no vowels, only consonants. And why would they say? Why would they call him Adonai? Which is why I had Leah read that. Anybody know why they called him Adonai instead of Yahweh? They didn't want to pronounce it. It was too sacred to pronounce. Uh, yeah, it's too sacred to pronounce. And so instead they called him Adonai. But, but we, and somewhere along the line, the vowels got added in. We know him as Yahweh. We know him as Jehovah. That's the word that David is using. Anybody else find anything out else out that before we move on that you wanted to say there? Go ahead. So it, I was really impressed with this. First, I just want to tell you that this team, it, you, you might be sitting there saying, how did they find this out? They went on a treasure hunt. If I told you I knew where there was hidden treasure, how many of you would go dig? Oh, come on. <laughs> if you knew there was a hidden treasure someplace, and I said, dig here, you would start digging, would you not? And can I tell you that there's a hidden treasure in this word? And this team, it's why they're here. If, if I've taken them under my wing, they're going to know how to study this word. And they have learned over the years how to study this word. It's why we meet on Friday mornings, because anybody I disciple, I take very, very seriously uh, that discipling. And if they're coming under my wing, they're going to understand the importance of studying this word. And church, that's what this is all about. And so they're not any different than you are. They've just had Rhea hammering in them. And they now know how to study, and you're going to know how to study as well. I brought Friday to you since you don't want to come to Friday. And, and so, <laughs> but I'm telling you, you're missing out because it's exciting, and we love it. And, um, but they're not these fabulous, I am not a fabulous student. We just know how to dig. We're just digging for treasure, and we're all surprised when we find it, aren't we? And what's fascinating to me is you'll see each one of them have a new treasure. And it might be a treasure that somebody say, I missed that. It might be Karen saying, you glossed over it, and I want to stop there, and I want to look at this because it was too good to gloss over. And so that's what, it, that's what happens when we come together. And so don't be intimidated by what you're seeing up here. You can find, I'll tell you where to dig. You can find the exact same things. This was not supernatural revelation. This is, we just know where to dig. Um, and we got some treasure to share with you. Okay, Leah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm just going to reinforce that when everybody comes on Friday mornings, I can't believe how different of everything people share is, and I just love learning from everybody, and I'm, I come expecting certain people to have, sometimes I actually gloss over stuff, I'll go, I, I don't, I don't study that part, because Sandy will do Karen it. Because Karen will get it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or Karen will do it, or somebody else, yeah. So it's, it's nice, because iron sharpens iron, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, one of the things we learned was that some of the words come from root words, and the the word um, Jehovah ha is from the root word, and I don't know how to say it, it's Haya, um, which, it, you know, it kind of sounded like it means the same thing, to be, to exist, to be in existence, abide, remain. But what really impressed me was that we went to something called the first mention, and so that's the verse where that word was first used. And Rhea's pointing that out right now. And it was in um, Genesis 1-2, which is the second verse in the Bible. And it says, and the earth was. And that's the word haya. And so 
What struck me about it is just that God was, it, he is, he was, and always, and, will, be. And always will be. And so it, to me, it, it just sounded so powerful because it talked about him being the supreme God, the highest rank and authority, the highest degree and quality, ultimate, final. And it, that just was so powerful right there. The first time that word was used was, and the earth was, mm -hmm. and he is, and, um, and so... I don't know why that, that just... Excellent. Yeah, and, and, and so what Leah is saying is the word Lord there comes from the root word meaning was. And, and, and you know, she, you heard her say he, he was, he is, he always will be. And she found that by digging. And, and, and she talked about the first mention principle. And, and that's a principle in Bible study that the first place a word is used will give you the best definition, the best understanding of the definition. So Leah did what a good Bible student will do. And she went back and looked at the first place the word haya was used. And it was used in Genesis 1, 2. Do you see how we found that by looking? Down here are all the places that the word is used. And that's all on Blue Letter Bible. Very good, Leah. So we talked about Jehovah. Remember, this name was considered so sacred by the Jews that it was never pronounced except by the high priest on the Day of Atonement. And so uh, they used Adonai, which is Lord. All right. So anything? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Karen. I found something that said, older translations of the Bible and many newer ones employ the practice of rendering the divine name in capital letters so as to distinguish it from other Hebrew words. It's most often rendered LORD in all caps. That's like. So let's just stop there. So it, when you're reading your Bible, uh, most Bibles will have the covenant-keeping name of God all in caps, all capital L-O-R-D. Now, if it's a LORD of mm, my LORD, my master, and it's, and it's a wife talking to her husband, it's not going to be all capitalized. Right? So that's what Karen's saying here. Go ahead. Uh, the frequent appearance of this name in relation to God's redemptive work underscores its tremendous importance. Also, it's sometimes compounded with another word to describe the character of the Lord in greater detail. For instance, in Genesis 22:14, um, it's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. It was when um, Abraham had to take his son Isaac up on the mountain and he was supposed to sacrifice him. And then the angel of the Lord stopped him and there in a bramble bush was a lamb to sacrifice instead of his son. So, and that's when he named it the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Um, another one is Je Exodus 17, 15, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And that was um, when Abraham was standing with his arms up, and every time he had his arms up, I think it was Joshua, was winning the battle, and when his arms started to get tired, he was losing the battle. And so, not Abraham. Not Abraham. Oh, I Moses. didn't mean uh, yeah. Moses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, so he, Jehovah Nisi. Nisi. Yeah. And we have Jehovah Jireh. We have Jehovah uh, Sidkenu. We have, uh, oh, they just keep going. Uh, the Lord, my righteousness is Jehovah Sidkenu. Um, yeah. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. So that word Jehovah is used in all those places. All right. So let's go on with the next. Yes. Oh, not at all. It, it'll just, the Lord wants you to understand. Yeah. Okay. Can I and answer that one? Yes, Karen. Okay. 
I think that it's more so, like, how long do you have? Because once you get started clicking around, everything else kind of more so, you just start going, oh, no, with me, I got to get the girls, like, you know, or whatever mm -hmm. it is, because this resource is huge. Mm -hmm. This is such a good starting point. If you just start clicking around, you will find so much information, so empowering and different things click that each time that, that I, you know, go through, and this has been imperative for me, just keeping me connected to the word during this time. Like, I, I need to get in the word more, but just having even the accountability of Fridays, at least it's a starting point of that. And it does, and it's empowering because I can look at Rhea. Oh, goodness gracious. I can look. That's good. Keep it up sorry. there. Yeah. I can look at Rhea, and, um, you know, you do sometimes you're just like, how does she know all that? And it's an on. She does. She studies, 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 studies. But it is very empowering. It is just getting into the word and having these great men and women of God that have probably a lot of men in there, I don't know, but like had that have gone before and the, the, the detail of it, it's, it really is more so don't, don't worry about being overwhelmed. Instead, prepare like a time to be able to get into it so that because you, you just, you will, you'll start clicking and there's different things. Like I'm kind of laughing because I got so caught up and I just started um, searching Psalms when I started, Ju just the, the name and the history and who wrote it and everything like that, that I started to get sidetracked just on some of the numbers. Like, how long did it take for the Psalms to be written and all that? And like, I'm a numbers geek and history and stuff like that. So I, I mean, you can, you can literally camp out and, and get stuck almost in a place and just like, that was so good, that was so good. So don't be over, it's more so prepare a place to study in a time because it just will happen naturally when you're just looking and literally like clicking around it really and it brings you to the word because there's so many different translations and you know the parallel verses and you go to parallel verse you just got you just lost another hour yeah. you know because now you're clicking you're like oh where was I, I had a thought I was going to write down so it's really more so you just need to get in it Cheryl it's so easy it's so self-explanatory you you really just need to get on it and try it and then bring your questions back and we will help you walk through it because it really is pretty simple to navigate um, I want to give you another source as as uh, Karen was talking um, Bible Gateway is another fabulous source um, Bible Gateway I have it pulled up here and I have it pulled up in the new international version but you can see here look at all those different translations so I have the Bibles, but you don't have to. You can go to this source and, and pull it up this way. I've printed them out on papers like this. Uh, and so that's another way to just look at the translations. Another great uh, free source online is Bible Hub. Um, all, lots of commentaries on that you can see here. Um, and so that's another good source for you as well. All right, let's move on, though. Uh, Karen, thank you. I would love to hear what else you learned about the Psalms, though. I learned that it was a parallel to the Pentateuch, ah. that it's divided in five parts, and I never really, you know, too much about that, and the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, which, you know, they, you know, that especially in the, you know, the original Hebrew, I think that's the law, that, I mean, that's very, very important, the number five is very important to, you know, to them, so that the fact that the Psalms, which is so many life lessons, was also you know, split in, in fifths is really also just kind of cool. I, don't know, I thought that was neat. So good. Yep. All right. So you've searched me. We're going to look at that portion of the verse because we're short on time. You've searched me. Um, that word search, if you look it up in the original language and the team will bring this out, 
uh, and feel free to just chime in, guys, wherever you see. But, um, oh, Lord, you have searched me, and I'm already past my psalm. Let's see here. 139, and we're going to click on the word search. There it is. You've searched me right there. Thou hast searched. And there is the definition for the word search in the Hebrew. But, team, what did you find? The law of first mention is um, Deuteronomy 13, 14. And she found that right here. Then you must inquire, probe, and investigate it thoroughly. Um, And if it is true and it has been proved, um, okay, that this detestable thing has been done among you. So that's where it first came from. And the definition um, to search, search for, search out, examine, investigate. Um, let's see, to search for, to search through, explore, to examine thoroughly, to search, uh, to be searched out, be found out, be ascertained, um, be examined, to search out, seek out. Um, it had all those, like the qual and nephal and PL mm-hmm. yep. listed, so, and I didn't know what that was. Um, so I looked it up and those were like tenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so like qual was like the simple form of a verb. Um, nephal was passive. But let's just skip over that. Let's okay. just go with the definition. On Friday, we would look at those things. But let's just keep to the simple definition. What stuck out to you in that definition? Um, so I, I recently got married. <laughs> and, um, and so, I, like, that was just, for me, it was, like, um, to search out, to examine. Like, like, I'm still learning, like, you know, like, who he is and the little things, you know. And so this was, like, um, I guess for me, it was just, like, you know, I'm, I'm learning who this person is, you know, like, and, and just like in a different way. But then like, um, like God knows me, like Mm -hmm. he has searched me, like he, there's nothing, like there are things that I don't even understand about myself that he already knows. Exactly. He already, and so it doesn't even like necessarily make sense to me, but it's like he has examined me. Like he, Uh you know, he, it's just like, it was so, I guess, intimate, you know, that's just like, Yes. (laughs) What else stuck out? That's very Um, good, Tina. What I else found, stuck out? I found um, Job 28.3, and it talks about how, um, well, Job 28.3 says, We all know how silver seems the rocks. We've seen the stuff from which gold is refined. We're aware of how iron is dug out of the ground and copper is smelted from rock. Miners penetrate the earth darkness, searching the roots of the mountains for ore, digging away in the suffocating darkness. So and Leslie's saying that word is used in Job 28.3. I put the pointer on it. So right. why did that stick out to you, Leslie? So it's, it's like when a miner is in there and he's digging and he's digging and he's digging and he's trying to get in. That's what God, it's like in relationship to God, um, just like a miner gets in there and he knows exactly how to dig into the earth and find that diamond and, and in, in the midst of all that rock and rubble. Mm-hmm. And that's how God is. He can just... He, he's like the miner. He gets in there and he knows every little inch of us and he knows exactly what we're thinking, exactly what we're, he searches us out. So good. Do you see why this is so good? Is it just blessing us up here or are you getting blessed? Do you see what Leslie's saying? In looking where else that word was used, she went to Job uh, 28.3 and she found out that it was used in reference to a miner because the definition means to dig. Mm-hmm. And so you've searched me. If I'm just reading that, Lord, you search me and you know me, well, that's one thing. But to you dig and you dig like a miner who's looking for a gem, who knows there's a gem to be found and they're going to dig. Who is really glad that God knows there's a gem in you? 
that you might have messed up so bad that you might feel like the scum of the earth, like you might be full of shame, but my God, who knows you, knows everything about you, knows you have a gem in you, and he doesn't give up. He's relentless. He goes searching. He goes digging to expose it to the world. Do you just love that? Do you love that? That's what studying the Word of God does. So I was just going to say, that's if you look in that list. So we'll walk you through that. So here is, here is where she found the definition. Uh, we all found dig because I think it's down in here. Do you see to search the earth by digging? And then Leslie said, oh, I wonder where else that word is used. And she went down and she looked at all the uses of this word. And she found this one in Job that talks so, about mining. Yeah, and, and so the other thing with that is I was thinking back to when I first met you. And we got to, you were like, I'm going to teach you how to study the word of God. And you brought this binder like this, right? And you were like, <laughs> and these tools were not available then. And so we had to go into the... What is it Strong's called? Concordance. The Strong's Concordance. And you had to look up all the words. And we had all those books. Remember, we put them out. We are so spoiled. You guys are all so spoiled. Like, you can just go right to this. But that's not how we learned to study way back when. And so this is really a blessing to have all these tools. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but it's neat to have them all listed like that. So. All right. So what else did you find about search before we move on? Anything that really stuck out? Sandy. Yep, it's on. Okay. Um, there was just something I had found in one of the um, psalm books that I've got that explains a lot of the psalms. But the, it says, the Lord searches and knows you. That's also in Psalm 17, 3, 44, 21, and Jeremiah 12, 3. No human being, not, uh, no angels know you like the Lord does. Um, let's see. The Lord knows you better than you know yourself. You had mentioned that. And he knows everything about your life. There's things that are unknown to science, and that cannot be explained. He knows the most hidden uh, stirrings of your soul. He knows when you sit down and when you get up, of course, and that's 2 Kings uh, 19.27. He knows us. We're an open book before him. You can try to hide. You can try to cover, but he knows us. Yes. Karen. Yes. Yes, because mm -hmm. he knows it's buried under there. Very good, Karen. Yes. We love when he wants to, when he points out to us what's good, which is important because he builds us up. And but he also wants to prick our heart and examine us and show us where there's things that don't belong. Uh -huh. And um, I came across this uh, cute quote by somebody when I was looking this stuff up. It was talking about how God knows what's going on in our life. And there was a story. Uh, it said he knows the good, you know, what's going on in our life, and he knows the scary. And it, it said a father took a young son into a neighbor's cornfield to steal a sack of corn. He looked all around and began filling the bag, and the little boy said, Daddy, you looked everywhere but up. Mm. And um, and so the Lord searches us, and sometimes we think we're so careful to mask ourselves or cover our tracks. And the Lord doesn't want to find us out because he wants to, you know, give us a caught doing bad slip. He, he really wants to get that out, like remove what doesn't belong. And 
Um, it's kind of cool when we're doing this kind of stuff, you know, God gives you practical applications. And I was digging in my yard yesterday, and it's a yard I'm not familiar with. And I was moving plants from one side to the other. And I, my husband was trying so hard to enjoy a television show. And I kept going in there and telling him what I was finding in the dirt. And I, and I came in and I said, I think I hit a power line. And, and he said, where were you? And I, and I said, right here in front. It's like, he goes, how deep was it? I said, it was three inches. He goes, you didn't hit a power line. I said, no, I hit a power line. And so he puts on his shoes and he came out there. And sure enough, there's this thick power line. It was cut and it was dead. But it was from Webco. It was this uh. huge, thick power line. He said, I have no idea why that's there. That's dangerous. So we should call someone, right? So then about 25 minutes later, I'm digging in this area where there's no plants at all. And I'm thinking, why didn't they plant anything here? It's, it looks terrible. So I, I'm digging up the dirt, and I'm I planted some stuff there, and it kept smelling like petroleum. And I, mm. I thought, I was picking up the dirt, and I was smelling it. And I went in the house, and I said, can you come out and look at something? He said, what is it? I, th I said, I think there's oil in the dirt. <laughs> He said, there's not oil in the dirt. I said, no, no, you just need to come and look. And he came out there, and sure enough, like, there was a whole patch where someone had just dumped oil or something. And so I kept thinking, I, I need to get those plants out of there because they're going to die, you know. And so I had to dig all the dirt out. But I found all sorts of stuff, like, that they had buried that didn't belong in there. And so I just feel like the Lord knows our heart and the condition of us, and he knows that those things in there that... He can plant seeds in us, and he can put a, a healthy plant, but if there's petroleum in the soil, it's going to die. And Very good. I just thought it was cool how God showed me that, you know. And that's a great lead-in for my next question. If God is all-knowing, and he knows everything there is to know about us, why does he search? Doesn't he already know what's in us? Team, can somebody tell me why God would search if he already knows everything? What's the need to search? Is he uncovering something that he doesn't already know is there? Masha? Oh, he wants us to be aware, do you think? Or do you think it's also the uncovering process that needs to happen, which is making us aware? Leah had no idea those things were buried in her new backyard. But in uh, digging it, they got uncovered and could be removed, right? And, and so... He's examining us. He's digging deep. So, oh, Lord, you search me. That, see, we would normally stop and plow right through that, but why, was, why is me? Why would I stop there at me, team? Why would I say me is important there? Oh, Lord, you search me. Somebody? I'd rather you search you. That's right. Karen would rather he search me instead of her. Yep. But, but what is important about that me? Because in the first six verses, or in the first uh, six verses, we have 13 personal pronouns. Why would I stop and say that's important? Team, you're better than this. Why would I just tell you that's important? Because it's personal. That's right, Cheryl. It's me. It's not, it's not Karen. Search Karen. It's not search Leah. You search me. You're a personal God. You're not far off in distance. You care about me. My hair is numbered. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts, not Leah's, mine. And now it becomes extremely personal. And so God is a personal God. Uh, he knows us. And so, um, oh God, you search me and you know me. Oh, that's so good. Let's go back to our, to our uh, study here. Team, you search me and you know me. What, what do we know about know me? 
Jesus is so good. Is this I just know you? I know Leah. I know Petra. Is it no that way? What is it? It's intimately, it's a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse. We'll see it up there. Now, I'm just going to too much information. Dave said, my Brit said too much information. I know my man. I know him. Not like any other man. I, I know this man. I'm sorry that's making you uncomfortable, but that's the word. That it's a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse. He knows us intimately. He doesn't just know about us. He doesn't just have some facts that he's stored up about us. He knows us intimately. So, so what does that mean to you, team? What else did you find out about that? So the law of first mention is um, Genesis 3-5. Yes. For God knows um, that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So it was both knows, like for God knows and then knowing good and evil. Knowing good and evil. But I think it even gets better because it's not just the first mention. I thought that was important there. Look where else it's used in Genesis 4.1. Then Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and they gave, they gave birth to a child. He knew her intimately. Do you see how just looking at those verses now become really, really important? But I want to go back and just look at the definition and team chime in here to know, but look at this, to discriminate, to distinguish. Oh, I'm digging, and I'm going to discriminate and distinguish between this bad thing and this ugly thing and this beautiful giant diamond in her. Because remember, he's searching. And he's as he's searching, he's discriminating. He's saying, we don't need that. I'm just going to overlook that right now because that's junk, and I'm digging for a gem. Do you see? To discriminate, to, to search, to have knowledge, to, to be made known. Oh, how many of you want to be known? I see this all the time in women dressing like they should not ought to dress because they want to be known by a man. They want to be noticed by a man. They want to get attention. Men flirting with women because they want attention. Can I tell you, you are known by God. He knows you. He's noticed you. He's taken notice of you. And, and, and he wants to make you known. He wants to declare that the scripture says on the day of your birth, he made mention of your name. He declared you. He found you worthy to, to be praised. What else did you find um, out about that? Find out and discern. So it wasn't just like the knowing or finding out, but then it was like taking that information and then discerning. Using, yeah, yep. discerning. Yeah, very good to consider. And also to recognize. To recognize, yeah. A familiar friend to have knowledge of. That, that's so good. Petra says that it means to recognize a familiar friend, to have knowledge of. God has personal knowledge of us. He knows us personally. He, he doesn't just know everything. He knows me. He's not just the God of the universe who knows everything. He knows me. He knows you. Um, and he also, David, oh, go ahead, whoever that was. Me. He also was acquainted with. And I, I believe David, was a, he had such a special relationship and intimacy with him that he heard his voice, he praised him and as a young man. And I, I love that he's acquainted with all of us. And, and Karen, I'm so glad that you brought that out because this rocked my world. And, and I'm sorry, I know we're late on time, but I have to just show you this. Karen said he's acquainted with. 
I just happened, I was looking down through all the scripture where this is used, and I happened to notice this, and I know the team well enough that they probably had caught this, but look at this. It's used in Isaiah 53.3. He's talking about Jesus. He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows, and he was acquainted with grief. And I was like, Lord, that, that word acquainted means you were intimately acquainted with grief? Really, Lord? And, and I started to just study that. Do you see that scripture? He was acquainted with grief. So he was intimately acquainted. He was intimately familiar with grief. And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I wonder what grief is. And so I clicked on grief, and look what it means. Sickness, disease, anxiety. Um, and, and I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to believe that you were intimately familiar with disease and with anxiety, with the things that you say you have power over. How could you be intimately connected with them. And I was asking the Lord about it. I heard Sandy. He lived it. But, but what happened when demons saw Jesus? Did they know who he was? Oh, he was intimately acquainted with sickness, with disease, with anxiety. He knows them and they know who he is. They know who he is. And those of you who suffer with anxiety or suffer with disease, can you take comfort in knowing that my Jesus is intimately acquainted with that thing that, that is monopolizing and, and, and taking power in your life? And they know who he is. Uh, they know who he is. They recognize him as well. Anyway, that's, where, that's the rabbit trail that Karen was talking about. I got on a rabbit trail there and, and started to study that. All right, so the, the word is yada. How many of you have heard that before? Praise and worship songs, yada. What does yada mean? To know. It's used seven times in the psalm. Um, what else did you find out about yada? Anything that you want to say before? I think uh, just one thing with, with the word know. Uh -huh. You know, there's one part, one part, and this is in the NIV, um, where Jesus is saying knowing their thoughts. But it's, it's the part where Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. He basically, when he... He comes in and, um, can I just read this part yes, real fast? Yes, you can. Okay. That's so good. Um, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own, his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man, lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said themselves, this man is blaspheming, knowing their thoughts. Knowing their thoughts, this. and we see it over and over and over in Scripture. Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, said this. We see it over and over. Okay, Karen, And then he go goes ahead. on to say, you know, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. Um, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I mean, that's just salvation, you know, right there. So then he says the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. But just how interwoven, like, I mean, you know, Jesus knows, he knows their thoughts, he knows our thoughts, and yes. he wants us to know him and to know the authority because the authority is tied into knowing who he is and salvation and Very good. healing and the power of healing. I, I'm so glad that you brought that out, Karen, because we see that yada is used in Jesus knowing what they were thinking, knowing their thoughts, being intimately acquainted. So you say, well, they never spoke it out, mm -mm, and he knew it anyway. That's the God we're dealing with. You, you think you know, Dave and I uh, work with men and women who have sexual addiction, and so much of their addiction is right here in their mind, in their thinking process, in, in their fantasy life. God knows your thoughts. He's yada. He's intimately acquainted with your thoughts. Um, he is, what else did it say there? He is, 
He discerns them. He perceives them. He considers them. It says, comprehend, to understand the nature, to take in or embrace. But now think about that. And in the terms of a sexual addiction, somebody suffering with sexual addiction, which is a shame-based addiction, so when, when they tell you what they're thinking, more shame comes, and it just perpetuates the addiction. So why is that comforting to know that he, the, what you just said, Karen? Well, you know, if you, when you try and hide something, that's when, then there, when, there's, when Satan has the power, uh -huh. and, and we, we try and hide it, and, and shame is there. Um, but when it comes out in the open, and God already knows it anyway, so when we bring it out in the open, then we don't need to have the shame because it's already brought out. Mm. And, and I think it goes even deeper, the fact that he can distinguish that he knows that he knows the thought I've had, but he's already distinguished. And he said, that's not who you are. That's not who I created you to be. You are better than that. And I know it. There's a gem. There's a diamond in there. And I'm mining for that right now. I just happened to trip over that thought. I, I happened to just stumble over that thought. I, I also, I wrote down in my notes, I remember, I'm going to date myself, back in the wallpaper days, um, I hung wallpaper in my house often. And I was not very good at it. But I made sure I used patterns that it could hide everything. And, but because I hung the wallpaper, I could take you and I could say, there's a mistake right there and there's a flaw right there. And I could point it all out to you. But if you walked in, you would never see it you, because I chose my pattern wisely. And you would think it was lovely. But God knows, knows exactly where. And they're not mistakes. They're not flaws. He's so pleased with you. But, but isn't it comforting to know he knows all of that about me, and he loves me anyway? You see, the enemy wants you to believe that God doesn't care, that God doesn't see, that you aren't known by God, but, but we see here in Scripture that we're intimately known by him. Quickly, let's get through oh, it. Rhea, uh, you just know when really, I sit and when I really quick, one more definition was cared for and chosen. So great. I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cared for and chosen. You know me. You care for me and you've chosen me. Okay, you know when I sit and when I rise. What is that? What is sit and when I rise? Because it really means, and I'll click on it for you, it really does mean sit and rise, but let's look at it. Team, go ahead and speak up. My down sitting, you knowest, and that word know again is yada. It's you're familiar with it. Do you see what it means here? To sit, to abide, to dwell. To dwell, to remain, inhabit. To inhabit. Mm -hmm. So it means what we think. But why would he know my sitting and my rising, and why would they use it together? Anybody? So I looked up the word abide, mm -hmm. to sit and abide, to continue in a particular condition, attitude, relationship, etc., to accept without opposition or question, endure, sustain, or withstand, without yielding or submitting. I don't know, it just seemed, to me this seemed like, um, this is, he knows when we're just, just accepting the bad stuff mm. and when we're rising up out of it yes. to, to realize who we really are. Mm -hmm. he, 
That's what I was looking That's at. That's good, Karen. And, I, and I, I believe that it does mean that you know my down sitting. You know when I'm up, you know when I'm down. You know when my emotions are up, you know when I'm depressed. You, you, you know it all. And I think that is what it means. But as you look through it and dig a little deeper, you'll find this is a, it, it, there's a poetic technique in Scripture that's called a mirism. Uh, and it is opposites are named to represent everything in between them. Okay, so when I sit and when I rise, they're completely opposites and, and, and they're extreme. They're expressing a totality of everything in between those polar opposites. Do you see it? Sitting and rising are two polar opposites. And so it's, it's giving us, it's poetic, it's poetically speaking, uh, vivid images that, that are, uh, it says, they're meant to replace more abstract concepts as all, every, or always. So this is representing the whole of my daily life, when I sit and when I rise. Um, so the end of the day to a beginning of the new day. You, your eye is on me all of that time. You know everything about me during that time. And so I, I believe, as Karen says, it can mean, you know, when I'm up, when I'm down, you know, when I'm sitting in the bad stuff and when I'm rising up to be who, I, who you created me to be, I believe it can be that as well. Um, but I, I really believe he's drawing a picture of your eye is on me. All, I am constantly. See, church, how would we behave differently if we really believed that the all-knowing, all-powerful God, <laughs> the creator of the universe, his eye was constantly searching us. It was always on us that he didn't miss a thing in our life. How would that influence our behavior? If we really believed that, if we didn't just know it here, if we really believed that. So, so what else did you find out? Ria? Yes. This, this jumped at me um, more in a simpler term, that he, um, he just sees you when you come to the table. Uh -huh. He sees when you wake up early. He sees when you're biting, you're searching him, you're, you're seeking out his um, treasures in the word. And it's, when I was studying it today, it just jumped that he knows. Yeah. And he, 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 he honors that. Yeah. And he doesn't miss it, does he? Yeah. F.B. Meyer said something interesting. Maybe, maybe somebody on the team found this. But this goes into what Karen was saying. The down sittings of life are the times of weariness, depression, failures, shortcomings, and inconsistency when we fall short of our best. Our uprisings are our strongest, happiest, holiest moments when we are at our best. God knows all. And he's never surprised. Uh, Petra, did I see you were going to say something? Word, and it was um, Yashab. It says, properly to sit down, specifically as judge, in ambush, in quiet, to settle, to marry, to give a dwelling to fail. And that brought me to the first mention, which was Genesis 4.16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Um, killed his brother. Uh -huh. And so even with, if we fail, if we are in ambush or in quiet, no matter what, he's there with us. He still knows you. Mm -hmm. So even if you're failing miserably, that's so good, Petra. Even if you're failing miserably, even if you've done the worst thing in the whole wide world, and we'll see as we go through this passage, if I go to the depths of the darkness, even there you are. Nothing surprises you. If I make my bed and shield, even there you are. Um, you can't outrun God. Uh, you can't, wherever you go, Cain went running, um, and, and God knew where he was. And so, very good. Leslie, you were going to say something. 
talking all week about David and his life and how if we don't understand David's life, like, I mean, this psalm was written by him because of all that he experienced. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's so important, too, to understand what he all went through because he went through so much stuff. And that's why he could write this psalm was right. because... Because God knew him so intimately, and he he knew God so intimately, mm -hmm. and so I just I've just just been thinking about David and what he went through to get to the place where he could even put those words on the paper. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty tremendous. Yeah, very good. So Leslie's saying the importance of understanding who's writing it, what it's all about. Uh, on Fridays, we're studying the Book of Philippians, and we before we ever started looking at a verse, we did some background on the Book of Philippians, who wrote it. Uh, who who was involved in the Philippian church. And so it's important that you do that. Very good. All right, so you perceive my thoughts from afar, and I promise we're going to finish here. Uh, you perceive. What does perceive mean? Somebody quickly get on the mic and let them know. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern them. But what, what, what does perceive mean? Understand. You understand. Discern. Incite, to perceive, to observe, give heed to, distinguish, regard. To regard, to perceive, yeah. Do you see right there? Um, I, I, I really like distinguished. You distinguish my thoughts. It's important before we start talking about that, that we look at the word thought. What is thoughts? Somebody? Purpose, aim, ideas, belief, opinion, thinking, reasoning, reflection. So purpose, thought, reasoning, reflection. I want to know why aim and purpose is in thoughts. Somebody tell me. Do you see the definition for thought there is purpose, aim, thought. When I think of a thought, I think of what? An idea, something that's coming through my mind. Why would purpose or aim be in that definition? Somebody tell me. Exactly. Leah, say that again because that is so good. Because your thoughts will take you in the direction that you think of. <laughs> yeah. What a man thinks on, he's going to do. It's going to take him that way. Yeah. It, it, so your thoughts, you'll end up acting them out. That's why it's so important what we're thinking on. And so that ends up hitting into my purpose, my destiny, what I'm thinking on. That's why it's so important we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And, but here the Lord is saying he knows our thoughts. He understands them. He perceives them. He distinguishes them. He separates them. We are, uh, never are we misjudged by God. Can I just tell you? He distinguishes. He knows, Rhea, that was not, that was not the thought you want to be thinking. Then the root is really important to that then because he is our shepherd and um, the root is Ra'a, which it's that's my favorite, Jehovah Ra'a. I love that. There it is. He guides us. And so it's to pastor, to tend, to graze, to feed. So it's a picture of someone who's taking care of and um, leading. I, that is so good. Do you see what Leah's saying there? She looked up the root word to... Uh, perceive my thoughts, my perceive, or to thoughts. It was to thoughts, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, to thoughts. Um, and, and she got roha, which is the Lord is my shepherd, <laughs> my pastor. But I also think it doesn't just mean that. It is right. that when our thoughts are in line with his word, we really are in a place of uh, pasture, in a place of um, uh, 
a, in a pleasant place, exactly. Um, when we're letting him guide our thoughts, uh, we really do get to that place of rest, that place of pasture. Um, and so he perceives our thoughts. He's distinguishing them. And I see... I was looking at something else from the, the, the uh, root word of, of Rhea. Uh-huh. And it was to associate with, be a friend of, meaning yes. probably to be companions. And it made me think of what Leah was talking about. When you think about something so long, you become friends with it. And then you go that way. Yes. So I want to park there, Karen, because this is important. I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to get you out of here, but I don't want you to miss the impact of these words. So your thoughts. I, I studied that this week and I said to Davey, companion? How is companion or special friend a, a, a definition for my thoughts? And then I got to thinking of them. I got to thinking about how, why would they be, why would that be part of the definition that my thoughts, those of you who deal with anxiety, why are your thoughts your special companions? dwell on them all the time. You dwell on that all the time. They're with you all the time. You need to dump that companion. But that's God's word. That's why we study his word. Is it not so much fun? You're like, Lord, you knew that. You knew. So you perceive my special companions from afar, Angela. Yes, bury the cat. You betcha. Yes, we're stroking it all the time. Very good, Angela. Can, so you can, perceive my thoughts. Now, it's important that the word you on the top of the sentence, team, I know you found this. Why, why would I stop with you? You perceive my thoughts from afar. What did you find out about it? It's emphatic. What does that mean? Oh, I can't believe you guys did not find that. But it's emphatic. If in the Hebrew, to, it's in, emphatic. What does emphatic mean? Forceful, strong. So why would David, when he said it, you perceive my thoughts from afar? Remember my opening, my opening uh, overview of this passage. What was David doing? Why was he coming to God? Because he was being talked about, because he was being mistreated, he was misunderstood. Now he's saying to God, you perceive my thoughts, you and you alone, some translations say. Perceive my thoughts from afar. Why would that be important? Karen. I, I need to like think of this more, but I caught this definition earlier, but didn't have a chance to really look it up. But one of the definitions of perceive that it came up is also to behold. Uh-huh. And so it's, you know, sometimes we think, oh, God knows our thoughts, and we instantly jump to, oh, was I, what was I thinking, the, the, the you know, of, you know, maybe I'm frustrated with someone, but God's also establishing that, that intimacy and the knowing of the Lordship. He, he perceives our thoughts. He beholds us that it's also the good yeah. stuff, too, that, that, that love relationship that he has with us, he perceives that as well, and I kind of just want to you know, think about that more, but we do, we jump to the negative where God's also establishing the beauty of he knows. Well, he's distinguishing yeah. between the negative and the positive. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's able to do that. Where I might, if I know somebody, I might only be able to focus on the negative. Mm -hmm. But God says, I, I'm distinguishing between that. I'm getting rid of that, and I'm, so, I'm focusing on that positive. Very good. But I want to go back to that emphatic you. Why would that be important? Somebody, you guys are better students than this. Come on. So, why would it be, you know my thoughts, you perceive them from afar, you, God? It doesn't matter what you are. Exactly. 
Everybody else is talking smack about me. Everybody else is saying false things about me. But you, God, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You know me. You search me out. I don't even care what they're saying because you know, Lord. And I'm going to rest in that. My father-in-law used to say to me, Ria, reputation is what man says about you. Character is what God knows about you. Be far more concerned about character than you are about reputation. They really are. What God says about us is the only important thing. Very good, yes. So um, anything else about that? So I want to look at afar before you go. Because the heart, Spurgeon says, forms a thought that never comes to a word or an act. But thou only dost perceive it, thou dost also translate it, and he understands my thought. He's saying that a thought may never go into an action, but God perceives even the thought. So he perceives it from afar. What does that mean? Does it mean he's in heaven and he perceives my thoughts? Is that what you found when you were studying? I know exactly what you're trying to say, Cheryl. Very good. So Cheryl is saying, I'm saying, is it from afar, afar off? It, it does mean a distance. It absolutely does mean that. So it could mean he's in heaven, we're on earth, and he perceives my thoughts. Give her a mic. I think he knows what you're going to say and think before you do it. Before we even think right, it, I before think. we even think it, He yep. perceives it from afar. Before I've even translated it into an action, he's already perceived it. Before, before it's even coming up in my head as a thought, he's saying, oh, there it is. It's coming up. Uh, he's already perceived it. He's discerned it. He's distinguished it. Do you see that? So could it mean that in heaven? Yes, but I also think He can see deep down. Remember, we read that translation very good that says, dig deep within me. I want you to dig deep where those intentions, those thoughts are. The New Living Translation, we didn't read it when we opened tonight. I was actually shocked because we almost always read that one. But it says um, in Deuteronomy 31, 21, he says, I know the intentions of these people even now before they've entered the land I swore I would give them. I already knew what they were going to do. I knew their intentions. I knew what they were thinking on before they ever thought it. That's the kind of God we have. Did you find out anything else, team, that you... Um, yeah, in the message, um, it says a reassuring presence. Your reassuring presence, yeah. So His why does that speak are always, to you? It's not the, the far-off God. He's, he's always with you. Like, he's present all the time. And you know what else really spoke to me in this is... That he perceives, and remember that word perceive, it meant to understand. Remember that? You perceive, you understand, you discern my thoughts from afar. How many of you have ever had irrational thoughts? I know you don't, but I've had some irrational thoughts. I've had thoughts that I could meditate on and that can steal my peace and rob me of joy in no time. And I'd be like, Lord, I don't even know why I'm thinking this right now. <laughs> she what brought me so much comfort this week is that he perceives, he understands my thoughts. He understands them. He understands why I'm having that irrational thought. And so if I go to him and I say, Lord, can you just, can you just tell me, can you give me some understanding of why I'm thinking like that? Why I've just been robbed of joy? Why I meditated on that rotten thing that stole my peace for so long? Can you, you understand my thoughts, so can you help me to understand them? 
because I don't want to go that place again. I don't want to lose my peace over that thought again. So can you help me, Lord, since you already understand it from afar? Can you help me to understand it? And I think when we go to him like that, he will honor that. He'll honor that. Anything else, team, before we, before we stop? Like the first verse, you know, it's talking about like you know me, but then um, the second verse is going, you know, even like even before, like we know, mm -hmm. um, like what's going to happen, like he knows. So it was, it was like David was very much like pointing out like who God was, and it was, um, you know, like when we look at King David, like he he knew, like when you know he was a shepherd, like he knew what what God could do, like what he could provide. Like he knew when he was going up against Goliath that he was going to be able to take him down because God was behind him. Like God, you know, so he was confident in who God was. So even though he didn't know things, like he knew that he knew him and he knew that he knew what was happening, you know, like what he was going to do and what was mm -hmm. going to happen before. So I have, I have so many thoughts coming through my mind because of that. And I, I want to be mindful of time, but I, Dave and I work with couples often. And usually when, uh, let's just use a woman, for example, has been hurt by her husband, women, what's the first thing she does? She puts her guard up. She puts a wall up. And then if she's hurt again, gets reinforced, hurts again, gets reinforced. And then pretty soon you have a marriage that's taking place, that's still there on paper, but you have two people that are living together, but they're so walled in that they can't be intimate. And you have one partner who longs to be intimate, <laughs> but the other one who's so walled in and protected that they won't let themselves be known. See, for some of us sitting here tonight, you have a God who's intimately acquainted with you. And he longs for intimacy with you. He longs for that deep intimacy, that deep connection that David had. The reason he could say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is he talking smack about my God? Because I, I know that God, and, and I'm so confident in him. And he gave me victory over the, the bear and the lion, and I know he's going to give me victory over this big guy that everybody's afraid of because I know my God. I'm intimately acquainted with him. I can say you know me, God, because I'm intimately acquainted with you. And see, some of you, you God longs. He's like that husband that longs to come close, but you're so walled in and so protected and so uh, so refusing to let yourself be known that you've never experienced the intimacy that God wants to have with you. The other thing that came to my mind when Leo was talking is, and the, and the team, we didn't pick this up, but uh, you search me, God, and you know me. That me is not in the Hebrew. It's in our translations, but it's not in the original language. And really what it says is, oh, Lord, you search me and you know. You know, Lord. You know. Peter, do you love me? You know, Lord. Peter, do you love me? You know, Lord. Only you know, Lord. You know. You're intimately acquainted with me. You know the garbage in my heart. Just dig it out. Just, just excavate and examine me and go mining and find the good because right now I'm feeling pretty defeated, Lord. Peter, do you love me? You know, Lord. 
And I think that's what we see in that passage. He doesn't ever give up. Exactly, Cheryl. He'll keep pursuing you. Uh Yeah, but God never gives. He's relentless. He's the hound of heaven. Any questions about what we went went through tonight? Did you benefit from it? It was good stuff, wasn't it? And so next week, we'll look at just a few more verses. I really am going to invite you uh, to, uh, to study and to bring your stuff uh, next week. And uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 3 and 4. 3 and 4. And you're going to have way too much stuff to just get through next week with those 3 and 4. Um, and I bet we could have talked for another two hours just on those two verses uh, so I cut the team off. They had, did you see their notebooks? They were studied. Um, and, and so uh, prepare, read through. If all you do is read it, then that's, you still are a step ahead. And so don't feel like you need to come and study, and I can't show up if I didn't study. Did you get anything out of tonight? You will benefit from it, but you'll really benefit if you try to do some study. You have Leslie's email. Um, we will walk you through anything you need us to walk you through. If you want to ask questions before you leave tonight, we could do that. Um, I promise you, you'll never regret this. Um, the more you know his word, the more you'll know him. Uh, so, so, Father, bless my brothers and my sisters. I pray that their time with you this week would be sweet, would be precious, would be full of gems, Lord God. Thank you that you search us. Thank you that you know us. You know everything about us, Lord. And we take rest and we take great peace and we rest in that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.